0: Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2. Brother Mike, I'm going to need you to keep playing for me. Part 4 of your prayer life matters. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of things be made for or over all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable on the sight of God our Savior, who have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. This command to pray is an individual command as well as a corporate command, that we have a divine responsibility, a heavenly mandate to offer supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks over all men and it breaks down these categories kings as political authority for all that an authority that means influence all those whole positions of influence sometimes we begin to think does my prayer life really matter just me praying does that one person praying make a difference And tonight, one of the things we're going to get into is how one person's prayer life can change the course, not just a family, but cities and nations, if one person prays. So go to Genesis 18. What type of difference does one person being faithful in prayer make? Genesis 18, verse 16. And this passage, God and two angels have appeared to Abraham and spoken to him about some things. Abraham's encounter with God is about to end. And the men who are the angels rose up from thence, verse 16, and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? One of the things we said previously on Sundays and Wednesdays, A quote from Lynn Hammond, the foundation for powerful prayer is fellowship. The foundation for powerful prayer is fellowship. And a lot of the people we're going to look at tonight, they had a relationship with God. And when you are in relationship with God, God will tell you things other people don't get. Jesus told the disciples, I call you friends. If you're my friends, I tell you what I'm doing. He'll tell you things ahead of time. He'll tell you what he's thinking about if you have that close relationship with him. And Abraham is known as a friend of God. And he talks about his character, he talks about Abraham's future. And in verse 20, and the Lord says, Because the cry of Simon and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is very grievous. We've looked at this passage before, it means heavy, it's weighty. It's so weighty that it now calls for judgment. This sin weight has been building up for decades. They haven't turned. They haven't repented. They've had chance after chance, witness after witness, but they didn't turn. I will go down now. This is a phrase in the Old Testament that represents a visitation. And in a time of visitation, there's either judgment or blessing. So the time of visitation for Sodom and Gomorrah has arrived. Verse 22, And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near. That's a key phrase. And said, Will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Per venture there be 50 righteous within the city. Will you also destroy and not spare the place with 50 righteous that are therein? that be far from you to do after this man to slay the righteous with the wicked and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? First you think about how dare Abraham have this conversation with God? God says, I'm going to do this. And Abraham said, what if there's 50 righteous people? You're not going to destroy the righteous with the wicked, are you? you're the judge of all the earth. Aren't you going to do right? You might think God should have zapped him right there. But what did God say to Abraham? If there's 50, I won't destroy it. So Abraham keeps standing in his place before God. And he breaks it down. What if there's 40? What if there's 30? What if there's 20? It's like I'll ask one more time. What if there's 10? And God says if there's 10 righteous people, and the twin metro areas of Sodom and Gomorrah, and any of the cities that surround them, or in the major cities, judgment will not come to them. Look at verse 33. And the Lord went his way, and as soon as he had left communion with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. When Abraham ended his communion with the Lord, The Lord left and Abraham went back to his place. But if Abraham stood at that place that was drawn near to God and stayed there for Sodom and Gomorrah for at least nine more people, judgment would have never come to them. Some of us have left our place before God too soon. Where our family is concerned, where our community is concerned, where our nation is concerned, we've left our place before God. This place we talked about two weeks ago in part two of this message and we just go back to what we're used to. Not realizing that there is a spot for us before the throne, which we're supposed to intercede to keep things from happening. Stop settling for things just happening in your family because it always happened. It doesn't have to happen. He says, yeah, they keep doing the wrong things, it goes from generation to generation. Well, take your spot before God and stop it. It's like, I don't like what I see in my neighborhood or my kids' school. Well, stop it. You have a place before God in prayer. And if you don't utilize the place God has given you, judgment will come. Judgment is just another word for harvest. Judgment is not bad nor good. It depends on what seed you've sown. If you've sown good seeds, judgment is a good thing for you. For the believer who lives for God, judgment day is a reward day for them. But for people who sow wicked seeds and sow evil things judgment means harvest of those things but one man would have kept judgment coming on this entire area because one man prayed Genesis 19 Lot Abraham's nephew was the one righteous person in the area his life he had influence but it didn't affect the city but there was one righteous person there and he had an interceding relative. And so two angels show up at his door and says, judgment's coming here, but it can't come as long as you're here, so you got to go. So the thing is, even if judgment comes on an area and you've done your job in prayer, if there are people you're praying for who are there, if there are family members who are there, God will get them out because there's a praying person before him. That's why Lot escaped. Yes, he was righteous, but someone was praying. God took him out, his family out. All those who had listened to him left. And as he was leaving, the angels told him, go to the mountain. And Lao saying, this is too big of a journey. Can I at least go to that city over there? It's just a small one. And the angel replied, in verse 21, see, I have accepted you concerning this thing also, and I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Wait a minute, that city was supposed to be judged. It was wicked like Sodom and Gomorrah. But Lot just said, hey, instead of going to the mountain, can I go there? And he says, because you asked, that city won't be destroyed. And Lot wasn't even the praying one. That was Abraham. But judgment didn't fall in one city because one believer asked one question. How many things happen in the earth because the church doesn't ask God? When you look through the book of Exodus, especially in chapter 32, after they make the golden calf. It hasn't been too many weeks since God has delivered them from Egypt. Moses goes up to the mountain, spending time with God, getting his direction for the nation. While they're gone, the people says, we don't know what became of Moses. So let's make us two calves, two, two golden idols," And so they do that. Aaron, Moses' brother, fashions them and they worship the two golden cows. Saying, These are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. And they began to celebrate and do immoral things. Moses comes back down. He's furious. God's furious. He says, Aaron, what did you do? He says, I don't know what happened. They gave me all the earrings. I put it in and out popped this calf. This is what he said. So the high priest is lying. And the people were acting up. And so God says, you know what? You can have the harvest of what you just did. Why? The wages of sin is death. And since this whole nation now deserves to receive judgment. God is hot. Moses is hot. And God said, Moses, get out the way. I'm going to deal with them, and I'm going to start all over with you. And Moses stood before him and said, no, don't do that. Because if judgment comes to them like this, Egypt will say God wasn't strong enough to bring them into the land. So God, I need you to change your mind about this people. Well, who are you to tell God to change his mind? Somebody who's a friend of God stood in their place and says, I need you to change your mind. Yes, they deserve judgment. Yes, these things should happen to them. But I'm asking because I have a relationship with you, that something else happens in the future. And God said, I have changed my mind. Whoa. There were still other punishments that were going to come. God said, I'll send an angel. I'll take you to the promised land like I had promised, but my presence won't go with you. So Moses stays before God and says, look, I'm not going anywhere if your presence doesn't go with me. Let your presence go in the camp. Let your glory be there. So although they were spared of the ultimate judgment, there were still effects in their life because of what they did. And Moses said, I'm going to stand here until that glory comes back. I'm going to stand in my place so your people can be blessed by your presence. We give up too soon in prayer. Numbers 14, this is the 10th time Israel has turned against God, disconnected themselves from God. And God says, you can have what you say. He says, you're not going to enter into the promised land. The life should have been cut short then, but Moses once again stood his place in prayer. He says, forgive them, God. And do you know what God said to Moses? I have forgiven them. I have pardoned them according to your word. One person stood in their place faithful in prayer. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, the prophet Samuel is raised up as a judge and as a prophet in Israel. And as he's there, Israel hadn't been living right. When he studied the book of Judges, things work in a circular pattern. That Israel would serve God for a whole generation. Then sometime during that generation or the next, they would turn away from God. they do what they want to do. And during that generation, the enemy comes in, conquers them. And oppresses them and after time goes by the enemy oppresses them the people cry out to God and repent God raises up a judge he comes in and saves them Then they serve God for a generation and then they follow that cycle again and so they're not living for God in this generation and they're being oppressed by the Philistines but God raises up Samuel and so they gather together Samuel says if you come together and repent the Philistines can't defeat you anymore. So they come together in one place and repent, and the Philistine says, how dare Israel gather together? We're going to attack them. And so now Israel is afraid in 1 Samuel chapter 7. He says, Samuel, pray for us. What are we going to do? Samuel offers a sacrifice, and he prays. And he says, God thunders from heaven against the Philistines, and they're all defeated. Because one person stood in their place and prayed. Ezekiel 22:30, God says, And I sought for a man among them that I should make up the hedge of the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So before judgment comes, before people receive the just deserts of what they've done, God is always looking for one person to pray. Because God says, I do not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. I take pleasure when men repent. So he's looking for one person to pray, and when judgment comes, it's because it's not a person there praying or standing in the gap. Psalm one hundred six twenty three talks about Moses interceding. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them. The word also means to cast them off. Had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them or cast them off. They would have lost out on everything if one man didn't pray. So who are you standing before God for? When you come before God, are you just praying for you and and that's it? There should be somebody you are standing for in prayer. Somebody, They could be at your work or in your neighborhood. You know they aren't living right. You know the lifestyle is going to bring bring judgment. You should be standing before God for them in prayer, interceding for them. Father, don't let that judgment they deserve come on them. Give them time to repent. Soften their heart. And you stand before God for them every single day. You don't leave that place and draw back. You draw near every single day and lift that person up to God you can't give up on them because one person praying can change everything go to Luke 22 Luke 22 verse 31 Luke chapter 22 verse 31 And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. He said, This is the plan of the enemy. He wants to take you and sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Jesus already knew that Peter was going to fail. Peter was going to backslide. Peter was going to deny him. Peter was going to go back to his old lifestyle. But Jesus said, I've already prayed about that. I'm not even concerned about that. When you come back to your right mind, when you get back to the place that is already yours, strengthen your brothers or fulfill your ministry call. Why could Peter come back so easily? Jesus prayed through. You have to pray people through even if you know they're about to experience something you don't let them just go into that experience alone in prayer you take them through so pastor what do you mean by praying through you keep praying for that person till you get a note of victory on the inside and it may just not be one day of prayer it may take weeks and months of you standing before God till God gives you that note of victory it's like what do I do after I get a note of victory like that you just begin to praise God and every single day, he said, Father, I thank you that they're living right, they're saved, they're filled with the Holy Ghost, they're doing exactly what you call them to do. Why? He's already given you victory, so he said it's done. And even doesn't look right, you keep thanking God, because it will turn. But we give up too soon in prayer. We don't pray people through. One of the things that marks the difference of different awakenings is how much the church prayed. Go to Galatians 4, 19. Galatians 419. Notice what Paul says here in the simple verse. My little children of whom I travail and birth again until Christ be formed in you. Notice this, I travail and birth again. He's talking about prayer, which means Paul put in serious prayer, prayer that's called in the Bible, travailing or groaning in the spirit, as that church was born, birth, birth, as they were born again. So before they are born again, Paul had done some serious time of praying. Because Isaiah sixty six eight says, "Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made forth to bring forth in one day?" Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Paul travailed in prayer, and this church was birthed out. People were born again through that ministry. But then he says, I'm in that place of prayer again until you grow up to the fullness of Christ. It's not just enough to pray people into the kingdom of God. You got to pray them till they grow up. When babies are born in this world, we don't just leave them by themselves and say, I got you here, that's enough. No, there is a responsibility for us to teach them, yes, but also pray them into maturity. And the thing is, a lot of people fall back to the wayside and stay baby Christians forever because the church doesn't pray them up, doesn't pray them grown. When I study different awakenings, the ones that have the most lasting converts, Those who served God for the rest of their lives were those who had a powerful prayer ministry and they prayed for those converts. And their conversion lasted, and it wasn't just 10 years, but for the rest of their life, the majority of the people that gave their life for Jesus served them the rest of their days. It's because people prayed them through. Anytime you see someone answer the altar call here, you don't have to know their name, but you should lift them up before God when you pray through the rest of the week. Father, I pray for that person that answered all to God. I pray for their spiritual maturity. I pray that they grow up in the things of God. And you lift them up before God. It takes a praying church to not only get more people born again, but get them into spiritual maturity. You have to lift them up in prayer. said, so, well, I don't know what to say You say, Father, that person that answered the altar call, I lift them up to you, now I pray for them in the Holy Ghost. And you just spend time praying for them in the Holy Ghost. There are times I just take walks to pray for people in the Holy Ghost. I'm just walking around, Father, I lift that person up to you and I pray for them, and I just pray in the spirit. Walk a mile to praying in the spirit for them. And I'll see things change in their life. Why? Because I'm not just depending on natural efforts and methods to grow them up spiritually. That has to be the work of the Holy Ghost. You have to take your place of prayer and pray people to the place they're supposed to be. To pray people into the offices they're supposed to be. There could be even people God puts on your heart that are in ministry offices. And you are to pray for them. Because some of them may be nervous stepping out to the office God has really called them to. But if you keep praying for them, they'll step out into what God has called them to. There are ministers I pray for every single day that I have never met and I may never meet, but I know how important they are to the kingdom of God, so I lift them up to God every day. I may not even agree with them theologically on a lot of points, but they're important to the kingdom, sir, so I lift them up to you. We have to pray. We have to be praying people. We have to take enough time in prayer where it's not just God bless them, that's it but give time for the Holy Spirit to express himself through us in prayer. He may not always express himself in the same way, but there are times when people take enough time in prayer that you'll get into what the Bible calls groaning in the spirit. You don't know. Those aren't words you understand. But the Holy Ghost takes those O's or those groans and translates them before God exactly what needs to be. And what happens? People are born again. People grow up spiritually or Christ is fully formed in them. These are things we must do. These are things we must know as praying people. A lot of people don't know this side of prayer. Not a lot of Pentecostals know about this side of prayer. The early Pentecostals in the 1900s did, but a lot of them today don't. And so it's our responsibility of those who are taught the word of faith. Those who are taught to flow in the Holy Ghost. To do our part of prayer and help the rest of the body. To pray for that 10-mile window we've been talking about, the 10-mile radius, in such a way that people are born again in that 10-mile radius like never before, and they grow up spiritually. We have to stand in our place in prayer. We can't draw back too soon. We can't just go back to our place thinking, I've done enough. We stay there until the assignment is done. And after it's done, Lord, what's my next assignment? Who do I need to pray for now? Romans eight twenty six. in the same way the Spirit helps our infirmities or our limitations. What's the limitation? For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It's not a fleshly exercise the Holy Spirit doesn't want to groan through you, don't try to make him groan through you. Don't say, "Oh, well, I'm going to groan in the Spirit today. No, you're not. That's the flesh. Just pray in the Spirit for them. And you let the words that he puts in your mouth come out. And if you translate into that place where you do, let the Holy Ghost move through you. Now, the Holy Ghost is a genius. He's smart. He's not going to cause you to fall out groaning in public. A lot of things we blame on the Holy Ghost is not really the Holy Ghost. It's us. But there will be times you're in public where you sense that call to prayer. Sometimes it's very simple. You may be in public, you may be in private, and you just sense, I should go pray. But so often we just push it aside, I'll pray later. You know what happens when you say, I'll pray later? You never pray. So what you should do is follow that leading and go pray. And yield yourself in the Spirit. And let the Holy Ghost pray through you. You may wake up in the middle of the night tonight and nothing's wrong. You don't need to do anything. You're just shaking your heart and you can't go back to sleep. Just take time, maybe even a few minutes and pray in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes God will wake you up because he needs you to pray. And it may not be about you. Maybe about someone else and he knew you would listen. But so many of us go, I need to wake up in a couple hours and roll back over. If he wakes you up tonight, respond in prayer. Now, sir, is someone I should be praying for right now. And you keep praying till you get that peace or that note of victory, and then you go back to sleep. Because you know what happens if you yield yourself to God in prayer? If he's the really one who woke you up and you responded? He'll make that sleep multiply to you. He'll give it back to you. But we must be people of prayer. We must be supernatural people and yield ourselves in prayer. So I want each of you to pick somebody, somebody you know in your life that you know they are far from God. There's another phrase that says, you know, they're about to bust hell wide open. You pick them, and you lift them up to God every single day. And you pray for them in the Holy Ghost. You tell Satan to take his hand off of them. You tell the demons to stop blinding their eyes. And you take such a place in prayer, because you can get to a place praying for someone, even if they're your enemy. But if you get over in the spirit enough, there will be a love for them. That didn't come from you because you can't stand them. But you pray for them enough, you'll want to bless them. Why? Because you switched over in the spirit. And we must be spiritual people. We can't respond to every situation out of the flesh, out of our emotions. We have to respond out of the spirit because that's where there's power. That's where change actually happens. There has to be praying people. Dr. King did not bring change by himself. There were praying people. All the great revivals and awakenings and moves of God, there were praying people. We go, well, why don't we see something happening? It's easy it's a prayerless church the church must give themselves to prayer like never before so stand to your feet glory to your holy name so we're gonna act on the word we just heard before we go this stack of papers are names that people wrote down in the spring who they're believing to get saved. So I told you to pray over it every day. But now with the knowledge you've just been taught, faith's in your heart for it, I want us to join ourselves together and pray for this stack of people. These are people who are not saved or living far from God. But we're gonna pray for them in the Spirit. So what I want you to do right now is just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost for them. And let whatever the Holy Ghost has to say come through you for them. Father, we lift up these individuals to you. These families, these precious people, sir, you love them. My father, you love them so much. You don't desire that any of them perish. You don't desire that any one of them goes to hell. You sent your son for them, father. And it doesn't matter their sins. It doesn't matter what they've done. Jesus paid the price for them. So we take our place before you for their sake. Satan, we command you to let go of them, to loose their eyes, to loose their ears. That the light of the glorious gospel might shine unto them. And Father, we pray that you send the right person across their path to minister unto them in a way they can receive it.
1: And for them we pray, bosa. Zora manda lere mando solo lo mangalaba, Kellele la mando solo lo boshe la ba zeka zange onta, zangeshila ma o roji bala la Sole oh, le la mando, le le la mando, sole la manda, la mangora bar mando la baya. Oh lozi si, rimando. Oh wrap your arms around them that echo celebra. Oh zuko, let them experience your love like never before, e i dog dancing not one of them to be lost. Not one of them to be lost. Not one of them to continue to live in the curse. No. I say no. Mangilishtalama. Mandole ya ya arose amarona. Manarona, manarona, manarona. Gale, oh, rea, mao, shika, shika, le, ma, dosi, yapa, that they're that will be a Rosti, yanga, ba, Rosso, so, zinkelaba, that randa, that they randa, ba, ba. origa, bole, Dole, linangishko, borale, ramaha,
0: that there be a male, pedala, da rego, O, ho, sudaraba, Rooted and grounded. Rooted and grounded. In the word and in your love. That they'll be rooted and grounded. In your word and in your love. Not just converted. Not just saved. But a blessing to the kingdom.
1: Maturing in the things of God. Oh, glory. Shikala Baha. Oh, Reke Lalaha. El imán Oh, where we say
0: For this is what you need to do every day. Not just when you come into my house and pray, but in your own house, in your own place, you must pray. You must take this place before me and pray. Yes, lift up your knees. Yes, lift up your family. Yes, lift up your friends. But lift up those that my servant has told you about tonight. Pray for them. Lift them up to me so that I may do a work in their lives. By your prayers and by your intercessions, I can get involved and they will turn, for there's no case too hard for me. You see in my word, time and time again, I've dealt with it all. But you gotta take your place in prayer. And as you pray, as you intercede, as you stay in that place, you're running to a joy you've never seen before. You're running to a place you understand what my son said that your joy may be full. You'll be praying for a person, and it looks like it's hopeless, but you'll get that note of victory you heard about tonight, and then you'll begin to laugh. Then you'll begin to sing. You'll begin to dance. You'll begin to shout, and you'll be wondering what brought that about. You would have run, won the victory for them in prayer, and things will change. Things, will, things that you saw that would never change, things that seemed like they would never change will change because you got to that place in prayer, and that joy will rise, and you'll rejoice forevermore and you'll laugh saying, ha, ha,
1: ha, ha. My God has done it again. Ha, 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 ha. The enemy has been defeated. Ha, 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 ha. That life has been saved and then you'll realize the
0: fullness of my blessing because now you've taken a step over into the realm of the Spirit and you'll see things you've never seen before and you'll rejoice evermore. You'll rejoice evermore. You'll rejoice evermore. And as you keep on rejoicing, the glory will increase and you'll keep doing this from glory to glory, from faith to faith, and then my son will appear, and we'll be together forever. Don't you see? Hallelujah! Oh glory to God! Oh glory to God! We thank you, sir, for tongues
1: and interpretation. Of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs>
0: Rejoice forevermore. We're going to rejoice forevermore. Some of our rejoicing on this side of glory is by faith. We'll see manifestations of his glory as we rejoice. But you have to imagine eternity for you. You will be rejoicing forevermore it will be joy unspeakable full of glory for the rest of eternity. But as you rejoice now, you tap into it. Because God inhabits the praises of his people. When you pray, you come into God's presence. When you praise, God comes into your presence. So you must develop, yes, your prayer life, but you must develop your praise life. And so, Let's start just a little bit tonight. Let's rejoice before
1: God. So lift your hands. Lift your voice. Pick up those feet and rejoice forevermore. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For the enemy has been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. So we lift our voice in victory and let your
1: praises sound. Oh, glory to your name. Oh, we have the victory. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. We have the victory in everything. So go ahead and shout unto Him again. Go ahead and shout unto Him again.
0: God. Glory to God. Minister Tatham gives a song of victory. Some type of song of victory. Glory to God. Praise His name.
1: Victory is mine. Victory is mine.
0: sing that again but sing joy is mine joy is mine joy is- glory to god that's the glory to god hallelujah hallelujah Move on up, move on in. Move on up, move on in. Move on up, move on in to the place I've created for you. The place you're supposed to dwell in. So move on up, says the Lord. Move on in, says the Lord. For yes, the waters are fine and the glory is divine. Move on up, move on in, because as you do, all things will change. You'll learn to swim in the deep things, saith God. It won't seem so deep for you. It will become your normal, because you've moved on up, you've moved on in. You've gone to a higher place than me, don't you see? And everything you've been concerned about, don't you see? I've already worked it out. And you'll begin to see the change this day, says the Lord, because you moved on up, you moved on in. You made the corrections I told you to make. And all that you've been waiting for is coming this day, says the Lord. Ah.
1: Glory to God. <laughs> I received that, sir. Oh, I receive that. Hallelujah.
0: Oh, glory to God. Before we go forward, before we go forward. We want to make sure everyone has been able to experience this joy. To move on up and move on in with us in the things of God. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked Him into your heart, you've never made Him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your Son. I believe that He died for me But on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.